0: What's up, everybody? This is Hall of Fame wide receiver Terrell Owens here, a.k.a. T.O. Get your popcorn ready. Do a favor. Leave my guy, Connor, a five-star rating after the show. Listen to it. uh, Give him some feedback. And also, if you want to listen to my podcast as well, uh, check it out, subscribe, share. Uh, You know, you don't need to leave a five-star rating. You know, uh, we're five-star. I'm five-star all the time. Uh, My podcast is called Get Your Popcorn Ready with T.O. and Hatch. Uh, Again, check out both of those podcasts. And, hey, check it out, listen, and subscribe.
1: Tune into Eagles Brawl of the Broad Network. However, you're listening, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get the podcast, we greatly appreciate it. Your co host, Connor Miles, here with a quick hits topic segment on the Eagles. Just want to give you guys a quick five. We'll see how many minutes this goes. I'm not going to promise anything. But first, quick hit hey, I want to get off the top of my head is The All 22 is here. We finally got to watch it. I uh, reviewed it myself before I recorded today after work, and I have some, some some things I want to go over, some quick hits. Um, Josh Sweat is the real deal. I'm finally all of, I mean, you, you've known from earlier, if you listened to this podcast from day one, that uh, we were very high on Josh Sweat this season, going into it. Never did I think he was going to become a starter, though. I did not think that he would take Derrick Burnett's job. I'm sort of leaning towards the side that he could take a significant jump in snap count, whereas Derek Barnett takes a lack thereof. Uh, What I mean by that is I think Josh Sweat showed you so much speed, so much athleticism in that game against Washington. Again, the left tackle he was facing wasn't uh, a really good player as is, but you have to take into consideration what he showed you uh, on Sunday still. From a speed standpoint, from a get back to the... He got after Haskins on that strip fumble so quick. He just played the whole entire game with nothing but speed and relentlessness that we never seen from Derek Barnett. We haven't seen Derek Barnett be a force like that, uh, a terror like that, to burst off the edge like that to get after the quarterback. So I'm interested to see with the injury to Barnett moving forward and the emergence of Josh Sweat, since we've heard all this training camp hype on him as well. uh, Mike KMNJ.com is... Really called it a national Joshua breakout year. I'm interested to see if they get to a point where they start saying, you know what, Joshua, who is a, a much better pass rusher, as we said multiple times on the show, than Derek Barnett, offers us more than Barnett can. Do we slowly transition to the fact that we start playing Joshua more where we can go into the 2021 offseason and move on from Derek Barnett and that $10 million of cap it that he has? Is that what he starts showing you, or did you, did you go ahead and stick with Barnett and Josh Sweat and move on from a guy like Brandon Graham? That's something that we have to start keeping our eyes on moving forward is how does this team respond to what Josh would has shown you? Do they continue to play him more? Do they give him more opportunities to rush the passer? Do they give him more opportunities in defensive end snaps, whereas Derek Barnett loses some of those snaps or Brandon Graham plays a little bit lesser than accustomed to? We'll have to see going forward because clearly Josh sweat looks like a future player for this team he will decide the fate of Derek Barnett. And I, I think we'll start seeing from weeks two to week seven, what how they use Joshua in comparison to Derrick Barnett will tell us what they see uh, going forward, who they want to go with going forward. I, I think if I'm the Eagles right now, I, I start going towards Joshua. I think there's a lot of potential there and I want to see them uh, start using, start maximizing that more by putting them on the field more. So moving on, Another one thing I saw in the film that I wanted to go over in the All 22 is Washington double covered Zach Ertz on numerous occasions. So this whole entire week would we'll be going in on the Eagles phasing Zach Ertz out because there was some kind of thing behind that. Uh, there there was something behind that just because of what happened with transpire with Harry Roseman. So I'm not going to keep, but I'm not going to keep hammering that away. But it is interesting to see that in 12 personnel when they did when the Redskins did line up in base and man defense, Zach Ertz drew the attention of the safety and the cornerback at the same time. So the best way to defend an athletic freak tight end like Zach Ertz is to put your safety and corner both on him to double cover him. And that's what the Redskins, excuse me, I always do that. (laughs) Washington, Washington football franchise. That's what they did best. So, Interesting to see because Dallas Goddard drew a lot of linebackers in coverage where that was one of the weakest units on Washington's front seven, but he did, but Ertz really opened that up for him by taking away the safety and the cornerback. So for everybody killing Ertz this week, let it all be known now, Dallas Goddard's breakout game, he was a benefactor of the double coverage that Zach Ertz drew in 12 personnel. It is, go watch the film, it's there. My co-host Johnny Page actually tweeted exactly what I just said, and I'm just now seeing this right now, that uh, he tweeted something out interesting, that for all the Goddard better than Ertz takes we saw this weekend, worth mentioning that every time the Eagles were in total personnel versus basin man, man coverage, Ertz got a safety cornerback and Goddard got a linebacker. Washington saw Ertz as tight end one still. Imagine Ertz's numbers if he got on linebackers all game so yeah he saw the same thing I saw so it's it's good to know that Johnny's on the same page as me but anyways moving on Drake Driscoll played such in a phenomenal game with when the whole entire unit was absolutely dismal and destroyed the rookie who never played a game for the Philadelphia Eagles before outplayed everybody else on that offensive line that was that's something to see there uh, very thing I want to keep my eye on it though uh, we don't know. What it, maybe Father Time has caught up to Jason Peters. I'm not ready to call wave the white flag per se on Jason Peters right now, but maybe it has. And if it has, maybe the Eagles have their their Big V serviceable guy to fill in, like they did in 2017 for the Super Bowl run. Maybe they have that in Jack Driscoll, uh, who might even be better than Big V. Or maybe they can't figure out right guard, and they just throw Driscoll out there and go with the most talented guy that they have available since Lane Johnson's back this week. I don't think it's going to happen this week. I think Nate Herbert will play right guard this week. I'm sure that's already been announced and everything, but uh, I think just because they want to have Jack Driscoll in for emergency in case Lane can't play this whole entire game or looks rusty and they need to pull him or gets re-injured, they can go ahead and just insert Driscoll at right tackle with no hitch. Uh, And... Herberg's already inserted at right guard and already has the feel for the game. There has doesn't have to be two changes; it only has to be one. Is my point there? Uh, That's why I think that we'll see this week. But moving forward, the Eagles are going to have to keep their eye on Jack Driscoll as a guy that they're going to have to get in there. They're going to have to play their best guys, and maybe Driscoll will be that guy Uh, right now. But though that game against Washington, so many, so many good pass blocking attempts by Jack Driscoll there. Uh, uh, really gonna have to look dive more into the pff numbers after watching his old 22 and get back to you guys on the daily hits episode tomorrow on what i saw uh what the what the stats were to back up what i saw but jack driscoll looked amazing that's something that the eagles can hold their hat on for sure and then john hightower and jdr Sega white side's contributions came outside the box score that's where i came away with after, after watching that game john hightower's route running i mean i i said it before on the show multiple times before, I thought he would be a third-round pick in any other draft. He was a victim of 35 wide receivers drafted in this whole entire draft class. So he got pushed down because of that, but his route running is there. It's on par with NFL-talented route running. It it showed evidently multiple times in all 22, which is it's great because I know my tune was a little different than probably what it is today on some topics I'm going to go over. But that's because I finally got to see the All-22. I didn't get to see it live. I mean, I did see the game live, but I don't have... That live game, once you're watching and reacting, it's just so quick to react. Once you get to sit down and play the All-22, rewind, fast-forward, play it again, slow-mo, then you finally get to see what happened on the field more. And that's what I finally got to see, finally. So here's my perspective from that, is what this whole Quick Hit episode is about today. But John Hightower's route running's there, folks. I know I said he looked like a deer in headlights. wasn't ready. His route running is ready. Everything else has to pick up, which I think it will over time uh, throughout the season. I think this is a guy who can contribute this year for sure. J.J. single whiteside I thought looked fine from a router on standpoint. Carson Rush just didn't target him. Will that continue going forward? Again, my theory, Mike case theory that he had on the show on previous episodes, Johnny Page's theory he's preached multiple times on Eagles Brawl, and mine as well. Maybe... Carson Wentz does not like these jump ball receivers. Maybe he didn't target them for a reason. He does. He likes to target receivers that can get separation. He wanted to go for it all with John Hightower. He wanted to go over it all with Jalen Rager. He threw a nice dot to Zach Ertz for a touchdown where he got a ton of separation. That's where Carson Wentz wants, wants to go with it. He doesn't want to go for these jump ball guys. So what the All-22 showed me was J.J. Arcega-Whiteside played fine. He looked like a guy more confident, for fluid running his routes. Carson Wentz just didn't target him. So now I get into that question again, week one overreaction. But it's something that we did question in the offseason on this pod multiple times. Is J.J. Arcega-Whiteside a fit for Carson Wentz? I don't think so. I personally don't think so. I said it before the season, so don't take this as my week one overreaction. Take it as a, a gut feeling how I felt about J.J. Arcega-Whiteside this whole entire time. Do I think he's a better player now than he was last year? Absolutely. He looked completely different out there on the field. If you go back and watch the All-22 Look beyond the box score is all I'm asking you, folks. Look beyond the box score. J.J. looked good. And that's me saying that. That's me as a doubter. That's always doubted him saying that. J.J. Arsica-Whiteside was fluid in his routes. Was open in the red zone a couple occasions. Carson just didn't target his way. I think this is something to monitor the rest of the season as well. Because I just... I would... I want to go back and see... Once we get from week two on... Probably till the bye week. I want to go watch the All-22 on J.J. Sega-Whiteside each week and specifically focus on him. Because I want to see in opportunities where Carson Wentz could have targeted him. Maybe he didn't. What the situation was like. How much separation he had on the guy, per se. And see, maybe that's the reason why Carson Wentz had to target him. And then feed into this theory a little bit more. Because again, I just think Alshon, J.Jaw, not really sure what the Eagles were thinking. Tyler on their live show actually proposed a good theory that maybe there's a disconnect between the front office and the coaching staff because I still don't understand why they continue to invest in these players that might not fit your quarterback. This might be the draft where they finally did that, though, with Quez Watkins, uh, Jalen Rigger, John Hightower. They have Deshaun, obviously. They did acquire Marquise Goodwin. They didn't expect him to opt out. They didn't expect that situation to happen, but they did acquire him as well. Maybe they just want to go all in on the separators because that's what they wanted to do week one. They wanted to go all in on the downfield concept because they were excited and a little gun happy with having all that speed. But I just want to keep monitoring this as games goes on. Where the situations are where Carson wants targets JJ Arcega-Whiteside so and where the situations were where he could have targeted him, uh, but he decided not to. I want to see what that looks like because I just don't think that they're a good fit for each other. And I think that's what probably is going to hinder J.D. Arcega Whiteside the most as the development goes on, is that his quarterback just doesn't, he's not a fit to play with his type of quarterback that he has. We'll see. What's we'll something to monitor to keep going on? And then a little, a little bit, I'm going to focus more on the Los Angeles game tomorrow, on tomorrow's quick hits. And then we'll have our, obviously, our, our Saturday show with Ed Cross, Sports Illustrated, where we will talk to him about the matchup and some more headlines going into the game. And then we'll have our we'll probably do a pre-game and post-game show this weekend on Sunday, or maybe just one of those. Uh, but I'm it's looking like we're going to do both. But So we'll get more into L.A. those next couple of episodes. But just from a standpoint of what I want to say real quick, I think the Eagles will bounce back and beat Los Angeles. I do believe they will beat the Rams. This is a matchup-driven league. The Eagles' weakest unit, which they depend on the most, is the trenches, which was the offensive line in Washington. Whereas they had Washington has a top three, arguably top two. I think it's one of the best in the league, defensive lines, from top to bottom. I think it's top two. I would put it in the top two. That was a matchup nightmare for the Eagles. That's what killed them the most. I don't outside of Aaron Donald. I don't see that with the Rams. I think the Eagles will be better in protecting Carson once. This week than they were last week, which is crazy to people because they're like, well, Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald does have a single sack versus the Eagles. They scheme against him pretty well. The Redskins, I mean, excuse me, the Rams don't have, besides Michael Brockers, who again, like I said on previous, uh, I said on the live show, if you tuned in yesterday, he's good against the run. This isn't something I'm constri- I'm not really worried about him destroying my quarterback. So I fully expect the Eagles to be a big game plan for Aaron Donald this week and try to neutralize him like they have in games past. Where he has had zero sacks on the Eagles since uh, Jim Schwartz has been defensive coordinator. Excuse me, since Doug Peterson's been the head coach of the Eagles. We'll just see going forward. I think the Eagles can beat LA. I absolutely do. Uh, I think Nicole Ruby Coleman giving the insight on Sean McVay and what, where Jared Goff likes to go with the ball, where his first reads are, uh, his main reads. Excuse me. I think that's going to play big help into the secondary, given that insight. I think this is a matchup where the Eagles can win. I fully believe so. And then the the Rams' running game, I know everybody's in on the Malcolm Brown, but, I mean, that guy is going to be replaced by Cam Akers at some point. Don't expect it to be this week either. I don't think the running game is something I'm that concerned with with the Rams. It's still the pass. Uh, they have some speed. Van Jefferson's a great round running technician, so I'm sure he's going to give some – I think this is where it'll be a, Vontae Maddox will struggle with that if that's where he uh, – That's where who puts that on him. I think it'll be interesting. I think the Rams could pass it a little bit, but again, the defensive line has to show up. They have to get on Goff and rattle him, and once they do, the turnovers will happen, and the Eagles will win. So I fully expect the Eagles to win against the Rams. Uh, I know Washington was a shell shock for all of us, but I think we got this one ugly loss that the Eagles always have. Uh, Each season, it seems like the one ugly loss already out of the way. I do believe they will bounce back and beat the Rams. So, all right, again. Ed Cross with me on Saturday. We'll be all right. That episode will be out. I don't think we're going to do a live episode, but it will be out on Saturday. We'll do our post game. I mean, we'll do our pre game and post game show live shows on Sunday. And I'll do my quick hits episode tomorrow to talk more about the game. So thanks for tuning in, guys. Again, don't forget to check out episode one of Philly Sports with Giovanni. He absolutely crushed it. If you haven't listened already, you are missing out. It's again on the Eagles Brawl podcast feed. Thanks for tuning in.
0: Kmart announces the Freedom Store is closing forever. Millions of dollars in inventory must be sold. Storewide discounts up to 75% off. Every department is on sale. All fine jewelry, fashion apparel, footwear, toys, health and beauty aids, and cosmetics are now on sale in store. Everything must go. Nothing held back. Selling to the bare walls. Even store fixtures are all for sale. Shop now for best selection only at the Kmart Store in Freedom at 1702 Freedom Boulevard. It is business as usual at all other Kmart stores.